You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. Welcome into the first ever unnamed Celtics podcast. I'm Young Ben. This is Sam. Hello, hello. We're trying to come up with a name for our basketball podcast here, and we've been stumped. So we want you, the listener, to help us out and come up with names. Hit us up on Twitter. Throw out some some, some suggestions for us. We've had some of our own, but we don't like our own suggestions because you know what? Frankly, they suck. Yeah, we're not very creative. Uh, which is not something we should advertise considering we're radio producers, and we're supposed to be very creative. But, hey, it is what it is. You can hit me up on Twitter, at YoungBenWEI. I am at SPAC guy, which is I know is a terrible handle, and I'm working on it. You do need to do something about that. But just to let you guys all know, uh, the point of this podcast is to talk Celtics, talk general NBA, maybe some college basketball. We just want a really good, focused basketball podcast here on WEEI.com, and hopefully we can provide that for you. And we always appreciate your feedback. You can always hit us up on Twitter at the uh, previously mentioned handles. So... Media Day just happened, and Sam, you were there, so we'll get your impressions from Media Day and, and talking about some of the players on this team, but uh, we're still a little ways away. We're about a month away from the season starting, and last year was a terrible season, but it was expected to be a terrible season because this is the rebuilding time. Now, from your impression at Media Day, what do you think of the team that is in green right now? It might not necessarily be the team that starts opening night but it's the team they have right now. I think this team's going to be incredibly frustrating. I think Ainge, uh, Rondo, Stevens, they all kind of went out of their way to lower expectations and say, we know we're not a playoff team, we're not a championship team. And in the past, uh, with the Danny Ainge acquiring Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, they kind of set expectations that we can have this real quick rebound and turnaround. But for this year, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be another long, long season. It's going to be another very long season. But something we learned from last year was people were still interested in the team. And that was a product of everyone thinking, oh, nice, we're going to be really bad. We're going to get the top overall draft pick. We're going to get one of these three studs that's coming out of college. <laughs> that didn't happen. No. We wanted to suck last year to get Andrew Wiggins. And that didn't happen. Obviously, they sucked. They just didn't suck enough. And the ping pong balls didn't fall their way, and they ended up with Marcus Smart, which I think we both agree is a very good draft pick. Going into the draft, I really wanted Julius Randle. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart was a good pick, especially at six, and I'm excited to what he can do. But again, there's no real person to tank for this year. And so are we doomed to see another, like, just missing the playoff season? That's the worst case scenario in the NBA, is being one of those four teams that just missed the playoffs. Because then you're going to have one of those lower lottery picks that really are almost useless and can really just hamper you and put you in a position where you're going to suck for another four or five years because you can't get that um, you can't get that good player. Now, Danny has set up the team through trades with, with good draft picks coming up from other teams. Brooklyn, we know, is going to suck. Um, maybe not as bad as we hope, but there's not going to be that good. Likely to be a lottery pick, especially with so old, old KG. We've got a glut of draft picks coming in, but as is the case in Boston, generally we don't know who the big-time college players are until it's tournament time. So right now, we're sitting here thinking, they're going to suck for no reason. What are they going to do? What do you think they're going to do between now and opening night? Are there going to be any moves made? Or is this the team they have until, let's say, January? I don't think there are there are moves to be made. I don't think there's much many ways they can really adjust their roster. They have like eight swingmen right now, and they have a couple bigs, but there's no real trades out there. I don't see Rondo being moved. So it's really just about learning who they have on their team, and Steve, uh, Stevens really wanted to learn who plays well together. Now, you brought up Rondo when we were talking about the potential movement here. People have been clamoring to get rid of Rondo. There's There's a start divide 
between the Rondo camp and the get the hell out of town Rondo camp. And this is going to be the storyline for the entire season. Absolutely. Where, where do you stand on it? Do you want to see Rondo and Green for the rest of his career or for the foreseeable future? Or do you want him gone? Can I hedge and say I want I like Rondo, I like his skill set, I want him here if we can bring someone, other pieces around him. But if we're going to have another two years, another three years of kind of this rebuilding, there's really no purpose for him to be here. I would do, like trade him off if there's like some parts we can get back for him for like a longer rebuild. But if we're planning to be good soon, then I would keep him around. I think with Rondo is they want to get rid of him. Now, obviously, he's coming off the was it the ACL tear. Yeah, he's coming off of that, so you got to give him some time. And if I'm another GM, I want to see Rondo play a couple of games to see if he's all right because I don't want to trade for him and have Derrick Rose happen to me. Yeah, and have him just keep blowing out his knee. I don't think that'll happen with Rondo. It's a different player, different athleticism. Now, again, like I said, if I'm another GM, I want to see him play. Now you have this broken hand come up from. Whatever shady situation was going on, you can believe what you believe. Either he was at the trampoline park and he did it there, or he actually fell in the shower or something else. And it may not even matter because he'll probably be back in November and yeah. will play the majority of the season. It was a six, It's a six- to eight-week expected absence for Rondo um, with a broken hand. It is his left hand. It's not his dominant hand, but obviously it's very vital to him. I'm expecting him to be back probably around mid-November, mid to late November, sometime right before Thanksgiving, I would assume. And... Yeah, that gives you plenty of time to figure out what you want to do with Rondo before the trade deadline come mid-February. I think he's gone at some point this year. I think he is dealt away. My problem with dealing him away is, what do you get for him? Realistically, what do you get for him? Because everyone, you know, the callers to the show all say, why don't you trade him for Russell Westbrook? Thunder That's gonna not going to that. happen. Russell Westbrook is better than Rondo. If I'm the Thunder, why am I trading a better player for a worse player who has a serious attitude problem? Yeah. And, I yes, I believe Rondo has a serious attitude problem. Okay, we'll get to that later because I want to ask you about this team's likability and where you stand on Rondo. But in terms okay. of trade destinations, that's the biggest problem. Any team that needs a point guard has nothing to give us. Well, we're in that era right now where there's a glut of point guards, good quality point guards. You saw it kind of in the 90s a little bit when you had your Stocktons, your kid would come out. You had players like Terrell Brandon who's going to make an all-star game here and there. You had fairly quality point guards all across the league, but now it's, quote, the golden age of point guards. No one really needs one. Someone asked me yesterday and said, well, what about the Pacers? If I'm the Pacers, I already have a good core. I'd have to give up something from that core to get Rondo. I don't want to do that especially with Paul George hurt and out for the season. That's the other thing about any potential trade destinations. Are, is anyone going to want to trade for Rondo with no guarantee that he's going to resign? I mean, Sacramento's been floated as a rumor, but he's already said, hell no, I'm not going to resign in Sacramento. So what? why would anyone want to give up talent and have risk him not resigning and becoming a free agent in the offseason? You don't. You don't. And the reason I do think he will eventually be gone this year is because it'll be to a destination that he will agree to resign with. It's a good point, especially about Sacramento. We've heard that rumor for a while, and I always thought it was completely bogus because I'm sitting here as a Celtics fan thinking, well, what the hell do I want from Sacramento? Ben McLemore? Uh, hell no. No. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is fairly good, but part of what makes Isaiah Thomas so good is DeMarcus Cousins being there and being such a low-post presence. That's what made Rondo so good, having KG there. If you remember what, what, when Rondo would dominate games, he would blow by you, he'd drive and dish to somewhere around the elbows where KG was, and KG would hit that shot, and that's another assist for Rondo. That, this team doesn't have that. doesn't have people that can really spread the floor, even though Danny's tried to build that with, like, Olnick who can shoot and other, other bigs that can shoot. He doesn't have that player that allows Rondo to do what Rondo does best because if I'm a defender on Rondo, I'm just going to sit back. Hey, shoot all day. I don't care. You're just not going to beat me on the drive. Rondo said at his press conference that they don't have a knockdown shooter and that he's going to have to bear more of the responsibility of scoring, which terrifies me. We've seen he has the ability to do it. He has the ability to drive, but he's not. If he's no. taking pulling up and taking jump shots, that's a real problem. So the problem with Rondo or trading Rondo is what are you going to get back? You have a bunch of young swing men. 
you would ideally like a big man or a rim protector, but that's just not something you can really get in this league. No. Uh, as we've seen, bigs have become less and less valuable in this league. When you do have one, yeah, you're going to go far. Whether it be Miami with Bosch, you can say what you want about Bosch. He's still a very good player. San Antonio with Duncan, you know, uh, but then you can look at it on the other side of it and go, well, what the hell did Minnesota do for the last couple of years? You had Caleb, and then you had Pekovic, who Pekovic is an underrated big man, but they did nothing. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota, so, they didn't have, well, Rubio is another kind of Rondo type where he couldn't, can't shoot at all. They didn't really have the wing shooters to really do anything. No, they just they had what is almost a similar problem to what the Celtics have right now. Way too many guards. Too many undersized guards. Whether Minnesota was drafting Johnny Flynn, which I thought was the most ridiculous draft pick. When they could have had had Steph Curry. And you're drafting Johnny friggin' Flynn? When you already have Rubio? Why are you doing that? But, you know, with this team right now, and let's transition over to to media day right now, because you were there, and I want to ask you a couple questions about it. And and you brought it up a few minutes ago and just saying, is the team likable? Now, from your first impression at media day, what does your gut tell you? What, what, how did you walk away from Media Day thinking about this Celtics team right now? I thought the Celtics team was kind of boring. There was no real personalities that stuck out. There was no one who spoke that was like, I want to go talk to that guy afterwards. I want to ask him some follow-up questions. There was really nothing to hold on to. Is kind of everyone realizing we have a mediocre team right here, and that, that was about it. It was just kind of no one was really real passionate or really colorful. It was just kind of a boring team. I think this is a group of men that is resigned to the fact that they're on a bad team. Which is tough for them to realize, and they were were saying all the right things, like, yeah, we're going to try. I think Brandon Bass was like, of course, we're playing for a championship. Like, that's why we're here. But we don't believe you, Brandon Bass. You don't even know how to swim. (laughs) Neither does Michael Hawley. Um, All right, first impression of Evan Turner. Evan Turner was tremendously boring. Okay. He just didn't really say anything. He spoke in cliches. He had a chance to talk about the Pacers situation last year, which was reportedly super ugly, and he just said, no, it was kind of uh, nothing. Uh, I'm excited to play in Boston. Um, cliche, cliche, cliche. And he said, um, he basically threw out every single one that you have. I'm going to do whatever the coach tells me to do. The most interesting person there was probably Jeff Green, but there wasn't like a positive note. He was kind of real surly and was kind of seemed like he didn't want to talk to the media whatsoever and was very excited to get off the stage. Let's go back to Evan Turner for a quick second. All right. Who will be the player on this team that he fights in practice? Probably I would say Jeff Green, just from really? the surly comment, because everyone else seemed kind of jovial, happy. I don't know, maybe Marcus Smart, he has a kind of... We saw last year when he was at Oklahoma State, kind of a, he can get angry in practice. He's in, or in while playing, he's intense. He's very intense, and that's what I love about him. I'm yeah. excited to see him in green and playing. I I think he doesn't necessarily have the skill set, but he's got the attitude to become a successful NBA player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a, an All Star, but I think he'll be a very good player. It'll be tough to be an All Star being a guard in this league right now because there's so many guards. Um, Avery Bradley. The most demure guy on the team, yet he's very aggressive on the court. His face won't tell you that, but his actions will tell you that. Is he a likable player still? Oh, he is probably the most likable one to talk to. Just a very nice guy. Was very excited about returning to Boston. Said, this is my hometown. This is where I wanted to play. I love my teammates. I love Brad Stevens. I love my coach. I love the fans. And he was just probably the most likable on the team. But again, it wasn't... It was likable just because he was a nice guy, not really because, like, he had this big personality that like w- drew me to him. It was just kind of like, oh, you're you're treating us like we're professionals, and you understand we have a job to do. Yeah, um, Jared Sullinger. I remember when I was at Media Day a couple years ago. Sully was a rookie, and uh, he was a fun, interesting guy. You know, boisterous guy who liked to crack jokes. Do you still see that from him? I see too much of it. There's like him, like ah. kind of behind, like jumping behind the cameras. He's kind of taking every opportunity to show I'm the fun guy on this team. I'm gonna be the one who's smiling, making jokes, and maybe I'm just being a bit of a dick. But like I thought he was trying a little bit too hard, and was kind of just kind of I'm goofy. I'm so what you're saying is his trying to be likable backfired, and now you don't really like him because 
I'm just suspect. a goof. I'm suspect of what what is like. Do you take this seriously? One, does he take this seriously? And is why? What's his true intentions? He's why he's trying so hard to be liked. His kind of kind of seemed insecure to me, which I no one ever likes an insecure person. No, no, you got to project confidence, gentlemen. If you're in your teens right now and you can't get laid, confidence works every time. All right, uh, Joe Wallace. He sounds like a didgeridoo. Okay. He's an old man. He seemed kind of disappointed to still be on a losing squad. Yeah. And he sounds like a didgeridoo. I mean, that's all I really have. You can see my notes. That's all I have to say about him. No, I know. It says right here, still sounds like a didgeridoo. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's an Australian. Lower. Like, I can't do the didgeridoo voice. But. He basically sounds like the parents from Charlie Brown, but with an insanely deep voice. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Like that. It was yeah. I had to trim a really hard time figuring out what he was saying, and I was about four feet from him. Marcus Thornton. Marcus Thornton seems like he actually is a fun dude. He was <clears throat> joking around with people behind the scenes. Got on uh, got on stage. Was really excited to talk about how Rondo's a, a pass first point guard, and he gets big eyes when he has a pass first point guard, and he's ready to shoot. And he was actually. It seemed like no one really knew who, what he was, like who he was, so people weren't asking him a lot of questions. But he seemed like he was ready to talk, and seems like kind of has that wily vet in him. And I think I think we're gonna get some interesting quotes from him throughout the season. All right, uh, Brandon Bass. I mean, we covered he's, him. He's very likable, extremely likable. He was chatting up with all the other like media people there, who I have no idea who they are, but he seemed to have relationships with all of them. Mm-hmm. He seemed like a very nice guy, and. I liked him a lot. All right. The villain from Ghostbusters 2, Vitor Favarani. Here's the thing. He was talking about his car crash. What the what the hell was he saying about it? He said that he the Spanish press was trying to kill him. And everyone goes, what? Like, is the, there's a bus coming after you? And no one really knew what he was saying. He eventually explained that they were trying to kill him in the press and that they made up the entire story. And then he completely denied that there was any alcohol involved in the uh, his system. Do they even know who the hell he is over there? I'm not sure. He's not a star whatsoever. I, mean, I know. That's what I'm thinking. It's not like you're one of the Casal brothers. Yeah, what Spanish press? Or Rudy Fernandez, for that matter, who got bounced out of the NBA. He's still more famous than you in Spain, brother. Who's going out of their way to, like, smear Vitor Favarani? Favarani's one of those interesting players that last year kind of just came on and was like, hey, this guy's not half bad. He had, like, a really good first two weeks. And then you're sitting there, the fans are sitting there wondering, why isn't Favarani getting run? And then you realize a little bit later down the road, oh, Stevens already saw why he doesn't get run because he's really not that good. An interesting thing about Favarani is he, were, uh, he was asked what he did in the offseason to improve. and He goes, oh, I didn't play basketball. I didn't play basketball once. Just did a lot of swimming, a lot of exercising, but I never played basketball. That I mean, everyone's different. That could have been a good thing for him. One of his biggest problems was getting in foul trouble constantly. You think you might, you know, work on that in the off season and play basketball and try to avoid sl- slamming people with his giant arms. But who knows? Um, all right, uh, let's move down to uh, Kelly Olnick, who a- might, might as well put a cardboard cutout. You might as well just have four players and a fat head on the floor. For someone with such long hair, you think you would have personality. Generally, I, th- I kind of connect those things. Like, oh, I've decided to grow my hair out long. I'm kind of making a statement. You had long hair for a while. I did. You have a big personality. I feel like it's natural connection, but... It should be. Olenek really is just kind of a big old oaf. He looks much older than he actually is, isn't, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. And just I just the way he moves everything. Everything about him, and I hate his. During the summer league, he was wearing a little ponytail, which I, the look was terrible. I was calling him Sunshine, but like a derogatory way. I know what you mean. All right, uh, now here's a player that I want to bring up that I want to get your impression on. Who the Celtics drafted was it 18, 17, 18, yeah. right around there. And uh, I was very excited to see him fall to the Celtics, and I think he'll be a very good player. In a couple of years. In three years, he'll be maybe the team's leading scorer, depending on what moves they make. James Young. What was your impression of James Young? As a guy, he seems very, very young. I I mean, I'm only 24 years old, and everyone there seemed older than me, but he was clearly a kind of like a young boy, has a boyish face. He was born in 1995. That which, scares the crap out of me. Which makes me feel old. Which makes me feel old. Oh, yeah. You're a dinosaur compared to me and him. But 
I just don't know if James Young is going to get any playing time. So, and he was asked about maybe going to the D League. He doesn't want to go there. No one wants to go play in Maine, but I think it might be the best thing for him at this point to actually play some minutes. I, I think, you know, especially in basketball, you got to play. You can't sit and watch. You have to be in the flow of a game, whether it be D League or NBA. You got to be in the flow of a game. And for a player like this, who you think highly of, I would put him in the D League and say, all right, you're going to start in the D League for a couple of months. You know, I want you to get your confidence under you playing against bigger and stronger people than you played against in college. These people are more established. Yeah, a lot of them are rookies just like you, but they're more established. Some of these other guys are more established than you. They're stronger. They're men. They've filled out. They've gotten that man strength now. So I want to see what you can do up there. I want you to get your feet wet, and I want your confidence to build and build and build to the point where you're knocking on my door saying, dude, I'm leading this team in scoring. I'm leading this team in assists. Hell, I'm leading the D-League in scoring. I need to be in the NBA right now. Yeah, and he needs to prove it, but it's going to be a huge adjustment for him because he just is coming from Kentucky where every single one of his games was a premier event. Yeah. If he can handle playing in front of 200 fans in Portland and still put up those numbers, then you'll see, okay, he's mature, he's ready, like serious about his game, he's ready for the NBA. But it's going to be interesting to see how he makes that adjustment if he does end up playing for Maine. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is when you're at Kentucky or one of those really big schools, mostly Kentucky, is you can do a lot more on the floor because you have so many stars around you at the collegiate level. And for players like James Young, that could leave him open for a bunch of shots, whereas in the D-League, he will not be open for these shots. He's going to have to create a lot on his own in this league. And how he responds to that, unfortunately, I think the downside could be that well, he was at Kentucky, and we thought a lot more highly of him simply because he was at Kentucky and did some halfway decent things there, but he gets lost when he is the man, Jeff Green. He is. I don't think he's doomed to be another Jeff Green. Who knows? He could take off. I don't know. Jeff Green just really pisses me off because he's my least favorite player on the team from a basketball sense. I would say so. Just it's so frustrating to see him go for 40 and then shoot three shots the next day. It's it's impossible to follow what Jeff Green's doing. I, I can't – I've never liked his game because he's a tweener. He's – could you be a power forward? Well, you're kind of awkward to be a three. You're, you're athletic, but you're not athletic enough. You're tall, but you're not tall enough. You're not strong enough. What the hell are you? He doesn't excel at anything. He's just kind of like the super athlete that sometimes has a hot shooting hand, but it's like you can't rely on him to hit the corner three consistently, which you would need like a stretch four to do. Yeah. That brings me to my question. Stevens talked about maybe playing 150 different combinations, five-man combinations. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's absurd, but that's I feel like that was one of the things he did last year was just constantly having different rotations. There's new all these advanced metrics about best I under- five man I understand rotations. it in year one. I don't understand it in year two. I understand in year two because he has a bunch of new players again, so he still has to figure out what he has. Okay. So you're Brad Stevens. Yes. You're you're not actually Brad Stevens, you're Sam Packard, but you're Brad Stevens for this exercise. I What's like your five-man lineup? You want to see starting opening night. Rondo's healthy. Let's put that out there. Rondo's healthy in, in this fantasy world where we're picking our own lineups. What's your five-man lineup starting Monday night? And who's your six-man? Opening night, yep. I would go Rondo, Bradley, Green, Sullinger, and my new favorite white guy, Tyler Zeller. Okay. And Marcus Smart as my first guy off the bench. So Smart's going to play, be the six-man for Be you. the six-man. Where does Evan Turner fit? I don't know where he fits. There's some talk of him playing point guard. Oh, I I guess I have to change this answer because opening night, Rondo's not going to be there. No, but I know. But I said for the exercise, Rondo's healthy. Everyone's right, healthy. Okay, okay. No one's off limits on the team. If Evan Turner can prove his worth and be a guy off the bench who can play three and shoot the ball, play. he played one when he was at Ohio State and was the national player of the year. I have no idea where Evan Turner fits in. I don't think Evan Turner knows where he fits in. He's another. He's a Jeff Green-like player where he doesn't really have a role. 
you kind of don't know what he really is. And that's the thing. That That's why Stevens is going to be playing all these different rotations is because no one knows what their role is. So if he can somehow figure it out, which players work well together, then you have like a five-man team going forward. Turner's always been a two in the NBA, but he's not a good enough shooter to be a two. He's not a good enough ball handler to be a one. He's not athletic enough to be a three. He's an undefined guy. I think he's one of those guys, again, like Jeff Green, who can light it up and then disappear. Light it up, disappear. And I don't like the acquisition of him. It doesn't make any sense to me. I really don't get it. I think it's a wasted money on a player that will never be more than he already is. I kind of just see him and Jeff Green as the same player. They basically, between the two of them, they can play from the one to the four. You never know what you're going to get, but they're high athletic, high athleticism and just kind of throw them in there and try to fill out basically one of those four positions for any different rotation combination. Mm. All right, well, if I have my lineup, Okay, you're Brad Stevens now? I'm Brad Stevens now. I'm smarter than I actually am. I have Rondo starting at the one. I have Bradley at the two. I guess I... I actually, you know what? I want Wallace at the three, Bass at the four, and Sully at the five. I want to go small, but quick and aggressive. I just think Sully cannot guard any elite fives that come into town. I think you're going to have a real problem on the defensive end with just a front line of Bass and Sullinger. Oh, I don't expect that team to win. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what I want to see on the floor. I, I You know, I, I don't really like Olmec. Zeller's all right. These guys are all right. Favrani, I, I could live without. You know, there's nights when all of a sudden he'll grab you 9 to 11 rebounds, and you're like, hey, not bad. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. Um, that's how I feel about almost everyone on this team. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel like that's what it is going to be for the first two months of the season. It's just, all right, well, let's see what they do here. I think I have a rational confidence in Zeller. Everyone's talking about how he's a rim protector and he really runs the floor well. And I think that's someone, if the Celtics play fast and quick, that's someone who can actually very much help the team and help anchor that defense. Mm. It's a, it's a good point. Um, but also, the thing is, we have no idea. No, we don't. That's we don't know what Stevens is going to, what what his philosophy is going to be, if it's going to change it all with these new guys and new acquisitions, even though they're kind of the same players that he's already had. So that's a good thing for him is that he knows from year one, even though he's got uh, another batch of new players here in year two, they're very similar to what he's already worked with. So he can kind of manipulate things and, and do what he wants and keep it consistent from day to day. Now, what I'm very worried about with this team is you've got a bunch of guards and a bunch of threes. And it's very confusing to me. So you got Gerald Wallace, who I don't, I will not last the season with the Celtics. I think he'll be gone. Someone will take him. Uh, For his sake, he doesn't want to really be here with this young team. He doesn't want to be here. He's got two years left on that deal. A team will want him. It depends on what we're willing to take for him yeah. or what they're willing to get rid of for him. I'd like to see him traded. He's of no value to the team. Again, this is from the outside looking in. He just looks like one of those guys who's just not a great locker room guy, sour, kind of can bring down the other guys because he's just pissed off about what his situation is. I, I'd like to see him gone. I'd like to see Jeff Green gone because I'm just done with him. Um that's not a player that a contending team can live with, especially not a starter. Definitely, oh, not, definitely a starter. not a starter. <clears throat> this was a player that in Oklahoma City you saw flashes, but at the same time you're sitting there thinking, okay, you're all right. There's nights when you do good things, but then you just fall back, as we've said ten times already this podcast. I'd like to see him gone. Evan Turner, I didn't really want to see here, but you know what? You brought him in. Let's see what he can do. Um, Bradley, I like Bradley. I like Bradley. He's an elite defender. I'm excited by the possibility of him and Smart sharing the floor together, and yep. I just think that's going. They're going to cover. They're going to play defense all 94, 
and it's going to swarm the court. And I think I'm just excited for kind of that three-guard rotation of Bradley, Rondo, and Smart, and just them kind of sharing minutes, each of them probably Smart getting less minutes, but like each of them getting at least 25 minutes a game. But see, here's my problem. Where's Thornton fit in? I think Thornton's just kind of your heat check guy off the bench. You can kind of just you throw in at any moment, and he's he's going to take shots, and he can give you, I don't know, eight points off a bench on one to play. He's just kind of the irrational shooting guy. But he's also the guy that can light it up and be a 20-point-per-game scorer if you start him. But you can't start you him can't on You can't start team. him with this many people on the team. That's the problem. They have too much positional redundancy. They have too many swingmen. Yep. And not enough bigs. No. And I don't see how you that changes over the course of the year. No, I mean, me- you've got you've got two stretch power forwards, which is a good thing to have, but they're both undersized. Um, Bass far more athletic than Sullinger is. Sullinger is a very interesting player. I, I kind of like Sullinger in that he's knows how to use his body. He knows how to position himself has- very well. The biggest ass I've ever seen on a person, and that it helps him tremendously. It He's really does. A great rebounder, and I can't. As much as I might knock his personality earlier, he rebounds and he does it every single game. If he's having a bad shooting game, he's still going to grab you about ten boards. And he's become Antoine Walker, without yeah. without post moves. That's what his he's ability become. to shoot three. Yeah, yeah, or lack of ability to shoot, th- want and desire to shoot the three far more than he should be. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's okay. It's fun on a crappy team like this. I'm okay with it. Bass, again, as we know, no pass. Bass can stretch you out. He can be a knockdown shooter from either the elbows or you know from the baseline. Uh, that's another player I don't know if he'll last the season here. I think he's most likely to be traded because he's someone other teams will want. He's a savvy vet and knows what he's doing, and that's somewhat, I feel like, out of all the, if I'm another team, that's the Celtic I want the most. Other Interesting. Players. And then you've got, as we talked about, Olnick and Zeller and Favarani competing for the center spot. I don't think Olnick can be a five. I think he would be in the stretch four. I just don't think he has a big enough frame to kind of really bang down low. Did he look bigger to you at all at media day? No, he kind of looked similar, similar kind of small small frame for a seven-foot guy, but it wasn't. I wasn't impressed by his body. Yeah. I'm just not impressed by him in any way. I really was scratching my head with the draft pick itself a couple years ago, thinking, why? Danny, why? Because he's white? That was my initial reaction. Drafting this because he was a white big guy? And this is. Wasn't that good in college? He was all right. And I love the white big guy. That's one of my favorite players in basketball, but not him. I you, like If you describe to me a random other player who has really long hair and, like, has Kelly Olynyk's game and told me he was white. I hypothetically I love that player, but for some reason Olynyk doesn't do it for me. No. I I don't I don't like his game. I, there's not much to like about him. Let's uh now that we've beaten the shit out of the Celtics for like 20 minutes right there. Yeah. Let's move on to a couple other teams we wanted to talk about and and what we think might happen in the NBA this season before training camp gets going and and you know, kind of just gauge where we think this season will Shake out, and we'll start with the East. Who's the top? Is the are the Cavaliers now the top team in the East? I think they are the team to beat. I, anytime you have add that amount of talent to Kyrie Irving, you're going to be the team to beat. They have the target on their. They're going to be number one. Well, they got the best player in the world, LeBron. Yeah, it's it's them and everyone else. I think the Bulls are the second best team and have a very good chance of challenging the Cavs and may even have a better record than the Cavs because because the Cavs still have a lot of time to put this together, but they're your top two teams in the East. When will Derrick Rose blow out his knee? I would say December. December. So they'll have some time to kind of figure out what they are leading into the playoffs. Um, Now, I'm reading your list here, and I don't know if this is in order or not. Wizards. Wizards, I think, are the third best team in the East. I think they've self-anointed themselves the best backcourt in the NBA, and I'd have to agree. I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are only going to continue to get better. I really like their bigs with Gortat and Nene, and I think Paul Pierce, he probably can't give you 30 minutes a game. Or no, maybe he definitely just, can't. But I think he's a good kind of veteran presence, teaching them how to win, work ethic. He was all in the offseason just taking Instagrams of him working out, which I thought <laughs> was cool. He's going to be 
he's definitely going to be one of those best shape of my life guys. And I think they have a really they won a playoff series last year. I think they're just continuing to improve. I think that's a good team that's going to get better. Uh, the one trap with teams like this that we've seen in the past is you have a season where you kind of break through, and now you're like, okay, we're a legit team. And then they kind of fall back because they don't work as hard, and they get a little full of themselves, and then it bites them in the ass in the end. Uh, but I don't necessarily see this Wizards team doing that because they're hyper-athletic on the front court or the back court. In the front court, they're really big and really strong. Here's the thing is that there's not a really another team to challenge them for that kind of three spot. Who would you say isn't like I can see the heat maybe with Lou Aldang, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade. Bosch is gone. Bosch is on the heat. Bosch is in Houston. But you are incorrect, sir. Am I? Yeah, they he uh went back for max money to the heat. Did they sign him for max money? Wow, why did I how did I totally forget that then? Yeah, he's back, so they have a mini big three. With, with They brought in Luol Deng to replace LeBron James, but uh, they still have the same team. It's Chalmers, Wade, Deng, Bosch, and I don't. Uh, I guess Udonis Haslam is their starting five. I think they're going to be a solid team, but I don't see them really going anywhere, and I still think the Wizards are better than them. Why did I think he left? Because everyone said it was basically they agreed to a deal, and they everyone thought he was going to... Um, Houston, and then the minute LeBron signed, that's right, Miami that's right. offered him a max, and he's like, oh, hey, max money, I'm going. Yep, that's right. I totally forgot about that. My bad. That was a bad error. Um, I hate Dwayne Wade. Oh, least favorite player in the NBA. Me too. I'm glad we can. You know, that's what the name of the podcast should be. We hate Dwayne Wade. I'm for it. Let's do it. That's right. the name of this podcast. Now, disregard what we said at the beginning. We need a name. We have our name. It's We Hate Dwayne Wade. Works for me. There we go. All right. Um, so tell me who's going to challenge, now that you know that Chris Bosh is on the heat. Damn it. Who's going to challenge, I guess, who's for the be the one of the top four seeds in the East after the Cavs and the Bulls, and I, I anointed the Wizards? The New York Knickerbockers. Really? Yep. Who do they have besides Carmelo? I just don't see them. They have the same problems. Enough said. Carmelo doesn't give you the top four in the East. Carmelo barely got you there last year. Um, Do you think Derek Fisher, first-year coach, being puppeted by Phil Jackson, is really going to change anything in New York? Yeah, I do. I why, think why? I think the Explain presence. To me why? I think the presence of Phil Jackson will help this team and will help Carmelo specifically. I think it'll design an offense that is better suited for him. Uh, the offense is the triangle. He's got to be consistently moving the ball, which is never is something he's never done. Which will be better suited for him. We've seen what he is. He's a volume scorer. He's arguably, maybe you'll say uh, Durant's a better offensive player than him. But I could also argue that Carmelo's the best offensive player in the game. I would say he is the best offensive player in the game, but without what J.R. Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., Shumpert, there's just some mediocre talent out there. Mediocre, but very athletic. I think this is going to be a halfway decent team. I really do. Better than the Wizards? No. So no, you're no, the, no, 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 no. Better no. than the Heat? Potentially. So you're right there. Because I hate Dwayne Wade. Well, yeah, Dwayne Wade's a horrible person. but uh, So you think he's right right there in that kind of four or five seed? Yep. Middle of the road playoff team. Um, I think that's absurd. I know you do. The I Bob, can tell. The Bobcats are a way better team than the Knicks. Kemba Walker, another full year of Al Jefferson. Well, I like the Bobcats. But you're just seeing the power of the star, Carmelo Anthony, I think will Carmelo, elevate them yeah. to above the Bobcats. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. We already did. Well, now, but we're, the Bobcats, I well, that'll be another. Uh, they'll be a playoff team again. They are building. They're getting better. That's an interesting team to watch. Like I said about the Wizards, there's sometimes when you regress after have, kind of breaking through, and I think the Bobcats will regress a little bit, but not a lot. I think they'll be back in the playoffs. And they might do some damage in the playoffs, but I don't think they'll be a high-ranking playoff team. I would have to agree. I think they're the lower half of the East. Another team we haven't talked about, which made some a lot of noise last year, which uh, I've heard a lot of different opinions on, is the Raptors. Either people hate the Raptors or they love the Raptors. Personally, I'm a huge Kyle Lowry fan. I think he's like like a pit bull point guard, a big winner. I like Terry Ross. I liked um, DeMar DeRozan. I like... I'm going to butcher this name, Valanchunas. 
Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, he's. I think he's a solid um, frontline big. I think they're actually going to be very good team. They have Drake. That seems to help them a little bit. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's always uh, that's what the Celtics need is we need a cool celebrity fan that isn't Donnie Wahlberg because that's not really helping out. What the hell? You can't win in this league without having a cool celebrity courtside. No, the Spurs. Who's their cool celebrity last year? They used to Pop. have. They used to have Eva Longoria. When David she... Robinson? Does he count? I mm. guess the Spurs are completely go against my wacky theory I just uh, yeah. threw out. But it makes it more fun when you have a celebrity you can go to, like the cameras can go to. Yeah. And frankly, Donnie Wahlberg's not cutting it. He has been cutting it since New Kids fell off the block. Which time? The first time or the second time? I don't even know there was a second time. Side note: When they did their comeback show. I was working at Kiss 108 at the time, and I was there at that concert, the Kiss concert. That was the loudest concert I've ever been at in my life because you had two groups. You had the Jonas Brothers, and then you had the New Kids in on the, the Block. same concert? Same concert. Oh, Lord. Jonas Brothers comes out, loudest ovation I've ever heard in my entire life. All the 13-year-old girls are screaming. New Kids on the Block comes out, all their mothers are screaming. Whoever put that concert together is a genius. Oh, he! Oh, that guy? He's a genius. He's an absolute genius. Trust me. That's I love wonderful. working for him. Dennis, you are the man, sir. I know you're not listening to this, but you are the man, and I loved working for you. Um, so there's a couple other teams here. You had as a probable the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Al Horford got hurt last season and really hurt their uh, – kind of chances in the postseason they still made it i think if they have a full year of him and Millsap together they have a chance i think they're kind of in that doomed bottom bracket of the okay a team we haven't talked about who last year was the was a very good team in the east until the end of the season and then they crapped all over their own shoes the indiana pacers now they're without paul george we know that that horrible injury with usa basketball and they lost lance which is another thing I forgot to bring up when I was talking about the Bobcats. Another reason why I think they're going to be That's a, a good very point. good team. They, I completely forgot about the addition but of Lance. But Lance is crazy and could derail like a team. I like that, though. You like Kinda a little crazy? Like, I like a little crazy. Crazy eyes, Kella. Um, they're highly dysfunctional. Will the absence of Lance and Evan Turner on that team, because they were the ones that got into the fight with each other, does that normalize them a little bit? I don't think it matters. I think, I mean, it might normalize them, but they just, at the end, end of the year, they don't have the talent. They have Paul George out. Uh, out. George Hill's your starting point guard, and then you have David West and Roy Hibbert. That team's not doing anything. Yeah. Who are they going to have play the, the two and the three for them? It's just not a very well put together team. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. I have no idea. They started, just, just to recap, though, they started off horribly last year. And then they really did turn it around kind of quietly and won a lot of basketball games and did what they needed to do. Um, can they continue that momentum from the end of last year, even without players like Paul Pierce? I think the Brooklyn Nets season is entirely dependent on Brooke Lopez, and I think that momentum doesn't really have to play into it because they didn't play with Lopez the entire end of that season. So they're going to have to learn to kind of retool their game with Lopez and Garnett on the court at the same time. It's something they struggled with early in the season. Mm -hmm. I think Garnett is basically a shell of a shell of his former self, yeah. and he's kind of more of a player coach at this point and will play like 20 minutes a game. But any team that has Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson, and Deron Williams, they're going to be talented. They're going to be able to score. It's whether or not... They can't I, defend. It's whether or not KG lives. can like teach them to defend from the bench or help them defend from the bench or from the 15 minutes he plays a game i don't know if you know this but darren williams is one of my least favorite players in the nba as well is not because of his personality i don't care about the whole coach killer thing i don't care about that it's that he's not that good and he has a terrible haircut he does have a terrible haircut he's a weird looking dude it makes me want to punch him in the face i'm not saying i want to punch darren williams in the face because i know i'll lose that fight but i want to punch darren williams in the face i want to see you punch darren williams in the i'd face. like to see it too i wouldn't back you up in that fight but like it'd be fun to watch <laughs> i'd fully expect to get my ass kicked just drag me to the car afterwards. Um, I just can't stand Darren Williams. I don't think he's a good point guard. I think he's a two guard in a point guard's body. He wants to just score. He wants to be that guy that shoots a lot. He's not a great shooter. We've seen he can score. There was years ago with the Jazz, I thought, damn, this guy's pretty damn good. 
And then I started to watch him a little bit more and go, this, he's a terrible point guard. He's a good scorer, terrible point guard. And then you've got Joe Johnson, who... Joe Johnson has, has done a weird kind of career arc because then Joe Johnson came out and he was uh, and kind of was on the... I think it started off on the Suns or the... No, no, no. He was drafted by the Celtics. Yes. He was traded to the Suns. He, he got no burn with the Celtics. Then he was traded to the Suns, a part of that... Oh, Jesus, was it that Marcus Banks deal or was it the deal that brought in... Was it Ro- uh, Rodney Rogers or what, what the hell was that guy's name? Rodney Rogers was definitely a member of the Celtics. I don't know what deal, but he's okay. Joe Johnson is on the Suns. He's excels he's under a, that he's kind a of good system. bench player who can shoot and can score volume off the bench. Then he goes then, to the Hawks and he kind of his stock takes a huge dip, and everyone thinks, "Oh, Joe Johnson completely overpaid. He's known more for his giant contract than he is for his actual ability." And I think he's kind of come back around to where now he's. So well, there was overrated a time, there was that a time he's now the, underrated. There was a time with the Hawks where he became one of the best swingmen in the league. One of. I'm not saying the best, but one of. He was a very good scorer, but he always had the same perception of once you give him the ball, you're not getting it back. Kind of Carmelo-esque a little bit. Not the ability of Carmelo, but a very good scorer and a very good player. And obviously had a great feud with the Celtics when they were battling it out in the playoffs. Um, then he moves to Brooklyn. He's still got that albatross of a contract, and I think he freaking hates playing with Darren Williams because he's not getting the ball the way he wants to get the ball. But I th- I think he's a very, very good player. We talked earlier about how point guard heavy league, There's this is a league where there's not very there's not many elite shooting guards, and I think he's a top five shooting guard, and it gets lost in the fact that he has this giant contract. He's a very, very good shooting guard and it kind of no one really seems to want to acknowledge that fact they want to talk about his giant contract but he's one of the best shooting guards in the league and I think that's one of the reasons why the Nets had so much success last year is kind of when they moved Pierce to the, to the four they just kind of allowed those outside shooters and Joe Johnson kind of was their best scorer that year mm-hmm. Um. alright so now let's move to the most dysfunctional team and the weirdest built team, the Pistons. I have no idea what's going on. I think Brandon Jennings is a bad player. I think Josh Smith is a bad player. Greg Monroe, there's all this talk about him getting a max deal next year. I don't understand what Greg Monroe does. Well, he does nothing well. He's a big man who doesn't really rebound, doesn't really play defense, and is an elite scorer. He's just huge and young. He's all potential. He's Roy Hibbert Jr. And that's not someone you want on your team. And then you have Drummond, who's a great defender, but you can't, can't play— Can't do diddly-poo on the offensive end. And you can't play Monroe, Drummond, and Smith on the floor at the same time. That's even though, wacky snacks. Even though if you're playing, like, 2K or NBA Live, that's what you do with them. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't work out. It doesn't work in this league. It's too The wings are too athletic to pull that off. Uh, Josh Smith's a terrible outside shooter. He's got Antoine-itis— which is, hey, I'm kind of big, but I like to shoot threes. I can make them in practice. But it's like, dude, you're an idiot. You're a- super athletic. You're more athletic than every other power forward in the league. What the hell's wrong with you? Stop shooting threes. And I think I do like the addition of Stan Van Gundy. I think he's a good coach. I think he did wonders with the t uh, with the Magic mm-hmm. for that one year. Brought him to the finals. A I, not very good Magic team, but no, the way. he really willed that team to the finals. And so I think they will probably be improved. But I don't think you can eventually win with that talent level. I'm curious to see what Contavious Caldwell Pope will do in his second year. He's and I only say that because I've drafted him a bunch in NBA 2K. And sometimes he turns into a player, and sometimes he doesn't. So I'm whether to see, curious to see whether or not that actually holds true. All right, uh, bottom four teams: Bucks, Magic, Sixers, and obviously Celtics. The Bucks, I'm super excited about. Why? Jabari Parker and the Greek Freak. Yeah. There's been talk this offseason of the Greek Freak playing point guard. Antu Temko. I don't know how to say that name, so I call him the Greek Freak. But he is six eleven and can go the entire floor in three steps. And he's going to be playing point guard with Jabari Parker on the wing. That's going to be fascinating to see. They'll be a fun team to watch, but they won't be very good. They'll have a lot of growing pains. But I'm I'm glad that's that... an NBA league pass team. That's a team that's like late at night. Oh, the Bucks are on. That's well, going to that's be cool the, to watch. That, that's the new Timberwolves for me. Oh yeah, the Timberwolves were always the league pass team or the NBA TV team. I was like, oh nice, I get to watch Rubio and Caleb do their thing, even though they suck. Not them personally, but the team sucks. 
uh, they were a fun team to watch. Bucks yeah. will be a fun team to watch. Now, I'm all in on Giannis. I want. I'm all for Giannis. Now, all right, let's finish this, and then we'll talk about the rookies real quick, and then we'll wrap up our initial uh, We Hate Dwayne Wade podcast. Screw Dwayne Wade. Gabrielle Union's not even... Okay, she's pretty hot. I, she's, I, couldn't, she's I couldn't even finish that you sentence. Shut your mouth. She's a fine woman. Uh, the Orlando Magic, who gives a shit? Um, enough said? Yeah, pretty much enough said. Okay, 76ers. 76ers are fascinating to me, and it's too bad that Embiid can't play this year because I really want to see how Nerlens and Embiid can play together. Yeah. I think they're going to suck, and I think they want to suck. They do. The most interesting part of their team is just seeing how Nerlens Noel does in his first year. Now, it's an interesting team, and I kind of look at that team and go, hmm, all right, you, you jettisoned Drew Holiday off to New Orleans, which was an interesting trade for both parties because I was thinking, 76ers, do you not know what you have in Holiday? He's a pretty damn good player. Um, you know, if this was the NBA of 12 years ago, you'd say, he's one of the best point guards in the NBA. He's middle of a pack point guard, but he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, he knows what he's doing out there. He knows to facilitate. And then from New Orleans standpoint, I'm thinking, oh, crap, you got Anthony Davis and you can draft New Orleans Noel and maybe have, for the next 10, 15 years, have a dominant duo down low that is great defensively. Now Anthony Davis has obviously been – he's developing an offensive game. He's going to be even better this year, MVP candidate better. And I thought, oh, man, Nerland's Noel. And then I was like, what the hell are they doing here? But it seems to work out for both teams in very different ways. 76ers are now building. and you look They're at what doing they have. it the way you would want to do it if you were playing 2K. You trade away all your assets for picks. You try to be bad for a couple of years, yep. and you build. And they have two great assets in Embiid and Noel. But they they pretty much they got rid of Turner. They got rid of Holiday. I liked both of those moves. On the surface, I didn't like the holiday move, but then when I thought about it deeper, I liked the move for both teams. And getting rid of Turner was the best thing. It was an addition by subtraction for them. Should we change this name to uh, podcast to We Hate Evan Turner? Because you seem really, uh, really down on him. I just don't see how he fits with this team. He's a player that he can score you 16, 17 points a game, but I don't like his game. Um... But I'm in, I'm intrigued. I'm leaving it open, even though I've come very pessimistic about Evan Turner. I'm leaving it open. I'd like to see what he can do and see how he fits in this team. Maybe Brad Stevens knows stuff I don't know. Well, I'm sure he does, but he knows basketball. Yeah. Yes, he knows that Chris Bosh is not on Houston. Yeah. I don't know how I went there. What the hell? The thing about uh, Noel, which I just watching him in summer league, he's going to be an elite defender. He is an as athletic and as natural moving seven footer as I've ever seen. And I'm just excited to see him just play defense. He's from Everett. He's from Everett. That's what I want. I, my dream scenario is that Noel and Embiid cannot coexist on the same court and somehow they have to trade one of them. And I'm hoping they somehow Noel returns home and becomes a Celtic because he's the elite defending rim protector that a team needs to build. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the 76ers do. I think that's a team that three years from now, provided they keep those two together, and provided Embiid becomes what we think he will become, he's not going to be Olajuwon, people. Calm down. He's. I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. Olajuwon was special. Uh, but the that duo could be a very good team. Could they just need a guard because Michael Carter-Williams is garbage. Yeah, he's interesting in that you look at him and go, okay, athletically, size, you got all the tools. All the tools in the world. Does he have the brain to do it? I don't know. That draft class is going to go down as one of the worst in the past Oh yeah, 10 years. This <laughs> next one might be one of the worst. And just the fact that he won Rookie of the Year means absolutely nothing. He won Rookie of the Year off of one game. One game where he just went nuts. And that's how he won Rookie of the Year. So I just don't see what they're all they they're still rebuilding, they're still in rebuild mode, but they still have to bring in guys who can shoot. Yeah. Guys who can handle the ball because Noel and Embiid can't do it by themselves. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's some good uh good I almost said freshmen, good rookies in the league that'll be interesting to follow, you know. Obviously, we've got Wiggins and Parker. 
so it'll be interesting to see them, even though they're stuck in no man's land, the Midwest. Oh yeah, no one wants to go to the Midwest. No, no. I mean, Here's people want to go even less. A place people want to go even less, which is where I'm interested in is Exum in Utah. He's super raw. He's Australian, which is kind of wacky. His post-game press conferences are fun because you get to hear his accent. And he has super talent, but he's young like James Young, and you don't know exactly what he's going to develop into, but he has like kind of that potential there. I was I was very confused how people were going gaga over him. Yeah, the skills appear to be there. The athleticism is clearly there, but he's hasn't played against anyone. He that he did that on purpose, I think. He had like an amazing I think it was U18 tournament and then just didn't play for 9 months and just let his legend build and it really helped him like his stock rose completely. All right, let's do a quick game of prediction and then we're done for today. Sounds good. Um who will be the rookie of the year this year? Going going into it right now, this is a month before the season starts. Who's going to be the rookie of the year? Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, why? Because he's going to be the main scoring threat on his team, so he's going to probably put he has the potential. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to probably put up 20 points a game and he's going to be on a terrible team where he's going to have the full scoring load. And plus he has Giannis, which will be a nice little 1-2 game and I think they're going to help each other. I don't really see another player being able to come in and be NBA ready right now as much as Parker is. Who will have the better career, Parker or Wiggins? That is a tough one. I'm going to lean go again with Parker. I just Wiggins is too much potential at this point. He has the athleticism, but I don't know. You have no idea if he's going to develop the other parts of his game. Final question: Are we the new Simmons and Rose? Am I Rose? Well, yeah, I'm leading the podcast, so that makes you Rose. All right, yeah, then yeah, I'm down with that. All right, Entercom Management, I dare you to come find. Stupid. Got to give the people. (laughs) Give the people what they want. Let's just rip off their entire show. You want to rip off their entire show? Let's film this. We'll get a man cave action going on with a bunch of cool ass old posters. I got to say, they got the best friggin' basketball show going. I'm a huge Jalen Rose fan. I hated Jalen Rose when he first moved to the media because I thought he sucked on air. He did, but he's only gotten better. He's so good right now. ESPN does stuff wrong with him having him lead shows. That's not what he does. Let him be the the two guard. They they that's why they changed it up. That's why they have this whole new Grantland basketball thing yeah. where it's going to be Simmons and Rose, and it doesn't have to be the kind of like the formal NBA show. And I'm super excited for it. I love it. I love Jalen Rose. He's a, he's not afraid to tell some stories out of school. Just like go talks about going to the strip club, stealing TVs from Patrick Ewing. Just. I love him. He's actually he's what the an analyst should be. He gives you the personality, and he gives you the kind of in-game analysis. Uh, I believe him and Barkley might be my two favorites now. I would have to agree. Barkley's Barkley's the best in the league of his own. Kenny Smith, I like Kenny Smith too, but Barkley and Rose. Kenny Smith just got his own reality show, which I don't know why anyone would watch. I don't like Kenny Smith anymore. That's fair. There's no reason to watch. I don't care what Kenny Smith's home life is like. No, I don't care what any of their home lives are like. Maybe Barkley. Barkley, I would watch. If it's following him on his travels through Arizona trying to get BJ's at midnight on New Year's Eve or whatever the hell it was. Anything. Anything Barkley does. I would just watch a whole show that was just Barkley golfing and then interacting with strangers. That's entertainment right there. Terrible. It's terrible. Well, I guess that concludes the first edition of We Hate Dwayne Wade. That name's going to stick. I would I think it's going to get us a lot of a lot of publicity too. Good. I hope it does because you know what? We hate Dwayne Wade. He's a terrible and We want guy. everybody to know that he's a douchebag. He's a bad basketball player now. He's 32 years old. His prime was 6 years ago. Go Pound Gabriel Union and leave the rest of us alone. <laughs> you just called her Gabriel Union, and I think that's fantastic. Did I just call her Gabriel? That's the new. Uh, that's the new name of her on the show, Gabriel Union. Okay, that's her name. All right, that concludes the first edition of. Again, as I said, we hate Dwayne Wade. I'm Young Ben from the Dale and Holly Show. This is Sam Packard from the show to be named later. Yes, I'm from all over WEI. You can follow me. I'm going to be covering the Celtics this year, blogging for them. I also have a wacky producers podcast that talks about. Everything that's not sports, you can catch me on Twitter at SPAC Guy. Young Ben W E E I. Yep. 
Hit us up. Let us know what you think about the show. You can always submit us questions. We'll let you guys know uh, before we record episodes. So if you've got questions or comments, um, we'll you know bring you into the conversation. Uh, throw out your Twitter handle. Give you some, a little love. We'll have some great guests joining us. Michael Holly said he'll join us. Greg Dickerson. Ooh. I'll get you know Flannery. We'll yeah, get you big names. People. I do know people. I've got being a producer of a show. I learned who these people your are. Phone book. He has a lot of cool people on your uh, on your cell if phone. If my phone ever got hacked, a there'd be a lot of people getting some prank phone calls. A lot of nudes. A lot of nudes of like. Yeah, but they're only Holly. nudes. They're only nudes of me. I don't know if you want them. Or do I do? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that saying. Not making me feel alone. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. We're gonna try and do this on a weekly basis, and uh, we'll hit you guys up next week. Thank you guys for listening. Now rocking basketball, number one, Curtis Blow. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court, just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley oop. I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball or Mr. Curtis Blow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.